Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for being, Lord, a God that's not silent, but that speaks you are, Lord, the God that speaks, and we thank you for, for speaking to us in your word, and we pray that, Lord, we would listen and hear this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Genesis chapter 48, and so if you would uh, please uh, look at verse 15, verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father had laid his hand, right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people. He shall, he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed him that day, saying, Indeed shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Okay, so here we are. We've come now to, the, to the, this time in Jacob's life when he's about to die. He knows he's going to die. And so he calls for Joseph, and he calls for his favorite son, Joseph. And Joseph comes along, and he brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And that's important because Joseph is concerned. He's concerned, his two sons, you know, they might just be excluded out of Israel because, after all, they've been raised as a dad and Egyptian mother, and they've been raised as Egyptians, so he's bringing the two boys with him, and immediately, as soon as he comes in, Jacob just launches off into this speech about the Almighty God, the Almighty God that appeared to him. This happened over 40 years ago, but it's like it just happened. He just can't get over it. And so it's so wonderful to see this. I mean, you know, he doesn't say, oh, Joseph, how are you? Good to see you, you know, or any kind of niceties like that. No, he immediately goes in talking about how the Almighty God appeared to him. And what it, what we see here with Jacob when he does this is that just like the hymn says, it says, uh, it says, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, we're lost in wonder, love, and praise. That's him. That's Jacob at the beginning of this chapter. He's just lost in wonder, love, and praise. When, and then all of a sudden, 
Jacob realizes, oh, I'm not here alone with just Joseph and you. There's two other, there's two others here in the room. And so he said, well, who are they? And it's so funny. He says, who are they? It's so amazing that Jacob should ask who they were because in, in verse six, in verse six here, he'd already talked about them. He says, thy issue which thou begettest after them shall be thine and shall be called after their name. But verse five, rather, verse five and six, he, he talked about how he's adopting them, and there they, right, there they are right in front of him. He doesn't recognize them. They're standing right in front of him. He's really blind. I mean, he's really blind at this point. And in, and in case we didn't get it, then, then, then in verse 10 it says, the eyes of Israel were dim for age. Okay? So it wasn't that he hadn't seen them in a long time, and he says, I forgot what they look like. No. So Jacob, he doesn't want to admit that he's blind and so in verse 11, like old people, they never like to admit these things, you know. And so Israel, it says, Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought, in verse 11, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. Well, I don't know how God could show him his seed. He couldn't even see them. You know, he couldn't recognize them. But anyway, that's what he said. Now, so, so Jacob now, he's going on and he's doing what people do when they approach death. He kind of looked back over their lives, and, and this is what he's doing here. He's looking back, and, and he's, he's looking back over his life. He sees the, the major things in his life, you know, and, and who really stands out to him as he's looking back over it is Rachel. Rachel, poor Jacob, Rachel. Anyway, he says that in verse seven. As for me, when I came from Padan, uh, Rachel died by me in the way, in the, in the land of Canaan in the way. When there was just about a little way to come unto Ephrath, I buried her there in the way of Ephrath same as Bethlehem. So he's thinking about Rachel. He's getting ready to die. He's thinking about Rachel. He's taking comfort, thinking about how Rachel has gone before him. And, and it's one of the people that, that you know, really means a lot when, to, these, to, to these saints when God said to them, okay, you're going to die, but you're going to be gathered to your people. That was really important when God said that because that was a comfort, a re- very real comfort for them to realize you're going to re- be rejoined to your people. You're going to be rejoined to, to Rachel up there in heaven, and, and then she won't accuse you of being infertile and all those other kind of things that gave him a lot of headache. But anyway, but he says, okay, you're going to be rejoined with, with her, you know, and, and that really hel- helped. You know, I, as I was thinking back, uh, there's three ladies that come to my mind, bring a lot of comfort to me, three ladies that have died and they've gone before, and they all sat in this class, and that's Vivian McCormick and Ray Lowy, and Sylvia Lander. How many remember them? You know, okay, okay, we got a few. We got three. Okay, right, right. Yeah, three. So, I mean, and so it's an encouragement. It is to think about, you know, you're going to be together again. Now, we've seen how then Jacob, he goes and he adopts these two sons of Joseph. He adopts them. You know, they thought we're Egyptians. I mean, you know, an Egyptian mother. They were raised as an Egyptian and, and so now it's important for them to see that, no, they're not Egyptians. They're part of Israel. They're part of the Jewish people. And this is an interesting issue because having these boys who just assumed that they were Egyptian, but the, there was a problem of them seeing themselves as a Hebrew. Now, you think about that. A person, uh, you know, these boys had an Egyptian mother, and they were raised as an Egyptians. They were raised as Egyptians, and they got out of a problem with seeing themselves as a Hebrew. Who else? Who else was faced with that exact same problem that I just described? Who else? 
Should I give you a hint? Yeah, he's the writer of the book we're reading. <laughs> he's the writer of the book we're reading. It was Moses. Yeah, absolutely. He was adopted. He had an Egyptian mother. He was an Egyptian princess, as a matter of fact. And he was raised as an Egyptian. But there was something very important that came about in Moses' life. And it's described by this term, when Moses was come to years. This is a whole change happened. It says, when he was come to years. It's the way it's described in Hebrews 11.24. Hebrews 11.24, it talks about Moses and the great transition, the great change that happened when he came to years. It says, by faith, Hebrews 11.24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of, of reward. So, you know, in the, in the Jewish culture, you know, the bar mitzvah, they have this bar mitzvah happens when a boy comes to the age of 14. And that's supposed to be the time, you know, when he was born, they may have, you know, uh, uh, said, okay, your Jewish raisin is a Jew. Maybe they, they may have, they don't sprinkle water on him, but anyway. Uh, but, you know, but then it comes the time when he has come to years, the so-called age of accountability, 14. Now, and, and he makes his own decision. No, this is my choice. This is my decision. That's what it's supposed to be all about. Moses, well, it wasn't exactly 14. He was 40 at this point. But anyway, who's counting? And he comes to years and he decides that, you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to be an Egyptian. I want to be a Hebrew. And then there were three words that characterized Moses' embrace of the Hebrew people. And those three words were refuse, choose, and respect. Refuse, choose, and respect. This is what Moses did. First, the word refuse. That was the time when Moses says, no, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That was the word refuse. Second, the word choose. That was the time when Moses said, I choose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And then there was the word respect. I respect the reward that God gives more than all the treasures of Egypt. This was what happened to Moses when he made his decision at that point when he came to years. Okay, now Jacob then, he now transitions and he begins to bless Joseph. And we saw how Jacob was very specific, very specific about who God was that he was calling on to bless Joseph in verse 15. Verse 15 is where Jacob is being very specific. And he's saying, I want you know, many gods here in Egypt, so I want to make it very clear who I am asking to bless. And he says, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, and the God which fed me all the day long unto this day. Now, it's very important, as you mentioned before, that we understand and we see that behind this word before, which is the English word before, is the Hebrew words, the face, panaim, the face, the face. So in other words, behind the word before is the Hebrew word face. And this is exactly the same case behind the word before in Genesis 17.1. Genesis 17.1, when it says, and Abram was 90 years old and nine, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be thou perfect. In my face, go in front of my face, my face. And again, in, in, in Genesis 24.40, Genesis 24.40, 
He said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk, the Lord whom I'm, I'm in front of his face, I'm in front of his face, will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. That was Abraham when he was speaking to Eliezer. What Jacob was saying here, when he says, the God before whom I walk, he's saying, I'm calling on the God who has a face. That's the dramatic thing. I'm calling on the God who has a face to bless Joseph. That's what Jacob's saying here. He blessed him in verse 15 and said, God, do you want to recreate a little bit closer to the Hebrew in verse 15, Genesis 48, 15, you would say it like this. He blessed Joseph and said, God in front of whose face my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk. That's a little bit truer. Okay, now, this aspect here, God who has a face, it changed Jacob's life forever when he saw the face of God in Genesis 32. In Genesis 32, 30, wasn't that easy for him to see the face of God. You know, a little bit of all night wrestling, put his hip out of joint. But anyway, he finally saw the face of God. And it says that in verse 30, Jacob called, Genesis 32, 30, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. See, from that point, Jacob's life was never the same. Because what he did is he made the God who has a face the God of his life. And what Jacob said to us is so important when in essence he's saying God who has a face because then he's saying, when he says these words, in essence he's saying these words. In essence he's saying these words, God who has a face, it's like it's from the mouth of Jacob into our mouths. You know, what a statement, the God who has a face. We worship the God who has a face. We proclaim or witness of the God who has a face. We persuade people to turn to the God who has a face. We will see the God who has a face, and we'll all be changed when we see the God who has a face. And we know the God who has a face from 2 Corinthians 4, 5. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. You know, that's when you see, when the light turns on has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this is what he's saying here. Now, goes on, he says, not not only is the face, he says in verse 15, but he, he, he says, this God has fed me all my life long. Now, when Jacob said that God fed him, again, the word fed, uh, the English fed, Behind that word is the word Hebrew word ra'ah. Ra'ah means to shepherd. Shepherd is what it means. So this is how, so he said, this is the God, he's, what he's saying here literally is the God who shepherded me all, all my life. In other words, this is how Jacob, he's just looking back over his life, he's looking back over his life, and he sees that all of his, his travels, he didn't want to go on any of these travels, but anyway, there were some extenuating circumstances that's, that forced him to have to run away from home, etc. That he looked at his travels from Hebron to Syria, to Syria. And uh, not to say that Laban was like Assad, but anyway, they were both Syrians. So anyway, so he goes from Hebron to, to Syria. And then he goes from, from Syria to Shechem. And then he goes from Shechem to Beersheba. And then he goes from Beersheba to Egypt. Now, to everyone, including to him, it may have looked like he's just being chased by necessity. 
he didn't he didn't he didn't want to take any of these vacations or leave anything like that. He was very you know he just wanted to stay where he was. He was being, but when Jacob looked at it, his these travels, he said, "No, I was shepherded. I was shepherded. God the shepherd moved me along, like a shepherd does a sheep." And that's what he's doing. And he sees that he doesn't see like, well, okay, really, I left home. I was running away from Esau, who wanted to kill me. He doesn't say that. Okay, the reason I, I left Laban is because Laban was was being very harsh with me. And the reason I left Shechem is because I was afraid of the Canaanites because they had just murdered all the Shechemites. Okay, and the reason I came to Egypt is because of the famine, you know. That, that's re- No, he doesn't look back at that. What he said to Pharaoh when he looked back over his journeyings, he said, this was a pilgrimage. The days of the years of my life as a pilgrim. That's what he was talking, a pilgrim. And it's just like just like David would look back over his life in Psalm 16.6, Psalm 16.6, when David said, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Oh, I have a, yea, I have a goodly heritage. It's interesting because he said, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Now, what, what David was referring to there was that, you know, when you got a property or something, when they sold properties, they didn't just say, well, you know, it's from that, 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 that second tree over there to that rock there. They actually had people who came out with lines, like we do today, surveyors, the surveyors. And they had these lines, and they would measure from whatever they measured. And then they'd say, okay, that's your property there. And so, you know, and everybody would kind of hold their breath, say, well, where is the property? You know, do I get that grove of trees, or I get that stream, or whatever? And so what he's saying here, what David is saying is that, you know, when the surveyor came out, the lines fell to me in pleasant places. Oh, wow, I got that stream. I got that growth. That's great. I got a great heritage. Now, for us, for us, looking back over our lives, it's a matter of faith knowledge, faith knowledge, what we know by faith. By faith, we know that the heavens were created. That's faith knowledge. And so faith knowledge in Romans 8.28 is what we are called upon to have. In Romans 8.28, as we look back over our lives, this is faith knowledge. We know, in Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Yeah, he could have looked back over and said, I was chased, it was terrible. But he said, no, I was shepherded. That's faith knowledge. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to have faith knowledge. Now, Jacob goes back into this date of being lost in wonder, love, and praise as he's thinking about God, now says in verse 16, he's verse 16, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So now Jacob now is speaking about the angel. And the question for us is, who is that angel? Sounds like an important angel. You know, he's talking about, well, it's not just any run-of-the-mill angel. You know, like, I don't know if there are run-of-the-mill angels, but let's just say, any run. this is a very special angel, a very special angel, which Jacob makes clear when he calls him the angel, not an angel, but the angel. He knows exactly who he is talking about here. He knows this angel very well. He calls it the angel. And the way he knows this special angel is because this special angel, as he said in verse 16, is the one who redeemed him from all evil. Now, this is interesting because this is actually the first time that the Hebrew word redeemed, goel, 
the Hebrew word redeemed, goel, is used in the scriptures. It's the first time. And it has an under, it has an underlying meaning to it, redeemed. And the underlying meaning, like it has in English too, it, it has this meaning of purchase or buy. You know, it, not for free. You know, that, that's the other. Goel or redeemed or goel has this meaning that it cost you something. This cost you something. Now, to see the meaning of it, get the idea, get the drift of this word goel or redeem. Let's say we're on a ship together and one of you fall off the ship and you're drowning. You're drowning there. Now, you fall off the ship and, and so I yell, man overboard, and then they rescue me, rescue you. Okay, and you could say, well, you know, you could say, I rescued you because I yelled out man overboard, but I didn't redeem you. Why? It didn't cost me anything. It didn't cost me anything. It didn't cost me. All I had to do is just yell out man overboard, and then they, they rescued you. So uh, I rescued you, but I didn't redeem you. It didn't cost me anything. But on the other hand, if I was to, if I, if I was on the boat and I saw you fall off and you saw you're drowning, and then I jumped overboard, you know, put my arm around you and pulled you over close to the boat and helped you back on board. And of course, I would be so exhausted, which I would be, I can tell you that, by all that work that I did to pull you over there that, you know, the, the whatever, the propeller, whatever, it pulled, sucked me under and then I died. You know, I drowned. Then I rescued you, but I redeemed you. I redeemed you. Why? Because it cost me something. It cost me my life. And that's the meaning, the underlying meaning of, of redemption. By the way, I, what I described to you wasn't on a boat propeller, but the uh, son of the of Cheryl's pastor in Greenwich, Ohio, Greenwich, Ohio, this big lake there, that actually happened to him. There was somebody out there drowning, and he went out there to rescue him, and he actually saved the person but drowned himself. So he redeemed that person. So redeem has to involve a cost, a cost to rescue. Otherwise, not redemption. It's got to involve a cost. That's why the Lord Jesus is called the Redeemer. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, 
plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 